We take a single episode of a science fiction TV series and overanalyze it to within an inch of its life. This is the Fusion Patrol Podcast. Welcome to the discussion. Hello and welcome to another episode of Fusion Patrol. I'm Eugene. And I'm Simon. And tonight we are looking at the third episode of the TV series Kolchak, The Night Stalker. The episode, they have been, they are, they will be. Kolchak is investigating a series of strange animal deaths and the mysteriously related electronic thefts. The electronic thefts start leading to human deaths too. The animals and the humans have had their bone marrow sucked out. While Kolchak slowly teases out the connections, a group of suited men in a sedan keep pressuring people into covering up what has been happening. Eventually, Kolchak determines that aliens have arrived on Earth. He tracks them to a planetarium where they are reviewing star configurations. His life is saved by his camera's flash. He surmises that it is the bright light that held off the invisible aliens. When the police arrive, he gives them that information. But when they try to use the lights, they are torn apart, and Kolchak is discredited. Too late, Kolchak realizes that it was the sound of the flash recharger that bothered the aliens. Leaving the scene, he stumbles across the aliens' spacecraft. After holding them off with his flash, the aliens leave Earth. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, there's just all sorts of interesting historical information um, that that we could probably go into, but but I'll try not to. But the start is, this is our first non... um, universal horror monster it's not a it's not a zombie it's not a vampire it's not well i guess jack the ripper wasn't it's not we have now aliens and government cover-ups so uh, what's your thoughts on on the episode well i must say this is much more like it i'm i'm not going to count myself as a fan of the show yet but it takes it into much more interesting territory i mean First of all, I, I guess you've seen this before and you knew that we were going into a UFO story. Mm-hmm. But I just had the title to go on, which is kind of cryptic. And so I had no idea what the the alien was going to be. In some senses, it's um, it, it's a little bit like the other one. You know, there's, there's, they're always super strength, smashing through walls, cutting <laughs> through bars. All this kind of so so yeah you had the, that kind of obligatory stuff but the the other bits were quite interesting you know the fact that uh, you could, it could make lead disappear it, uh, it it spooked cheetahs and other zoo animals uh, and I, I've got to say a, a, a scared cheetah does make a welcome change from a, a dead prostitute to to start the episode. <laughs> I, I, you know, <laughs> the one thing I thought, and it's, it's very funny because I, I have seen it, I, obviously, going going back probably when it originally aired, um, but looking at it with modern eyes, my thought was, I wonder what the uh, SPCA would think about the treatment of that cheetah, because they're obviously irritating it with a fan and blowing hay in its face. You know, that's not, they didn't train it to make those snarls and whatnot. They just irritated the heck out of that, that poor cheetah to get those shots. And I thought, yeah, they'd never get away with that now, unless it was a CGI cheetah. <laughs> I'm afraid I, it, that didn't occur to me, but yes, uh, yeah, that's uh But it, it was 
Yeah, it was, it was uh, different. So, so let me ask this question. At what point did you figure out it was aliens? Uh, ah, now, I made a note, <laughs> um, but I I seem to have either deleted it. Uh, there's, a, there's a point where, um, where Vincenzo says, I don't need a UFO story, which, okay. which is um, obviously where it's given away. And it was fairly shortly before that. It took me quite a while to work out that it that it might be uh, UFO. I, certainly, was it before that that, that uh, Monique tells him about the the men in black coming and taking the photos away? It uh, is yes. That, it is just it, just immediately moments before that he goes to get the photos, and then they go to talk to Vincenzo, and then they're yeah, leaving. So, yeah. <clears throat> uh, yeah. Oh yes, of course, because that yes. Um, because that's when he that's when he challenges him, and that's the response about not needing a UFO story. Yeah, no, I I, I mean, it must have been shortly before that, um, but it it certainly took me a while. Stopped watches. That might have been it. Mm. Um, I, I was. Uh, it's after it's after the press conference where he says the stopped watches, and obviously at that point, I I think, yeah, that okay. that that that's that's the point where I twigged. But that's certainly not early in the episode. There's what I quite like about it is. That it's not the obvious explanation, you know what's what's been sucking marrow out of a cheetah. You don't need to say, "Well, hey, in a series about vampires, that's got to be aliens, <laughs> right?" It was. It was. I was thinking about it as we went through the episode because at the point when Vincenzo says, "I don't need a UFO story," and Kolchak says, "I didn't say anything about UFOs," did you? Did I, and it, and I said, "Okay, that's is that the moment where Kolchak." figures out it's ufos yeah because i think it is yeah and what's interesting about it is of course we've been shown the men in black all the way back to the electrodyne even though they're not wearing black um they were they were there and the the police chief saluted them and was basically reporting to them and um uh you know but i wasn't i wasn't i wasn't thinking men in black at that point i was thinking you know they they were i i was assuming it was some kind of um they were they were werewolves or something morphing into super strength crazy people and then crazy super strength crazy invisible people and then running around the back and changing back into their suits and and turning up and you know that they were maybe um councilmen or someone who that would be the reason why the captain was deferring to them i I didn't immediately think, hey, they've got to be government agents tracking down extraterrestrials. Okay, no, that's fair. <clears throat> that's fair. And I don't think the audience would have immediately been in on that either because uh, even though I think the first instance of a reference to a Men in Black was in the 40s, it really wasn't until the 1970s that UFO stories began really incorporating the Men in Black. So... Um, and and just for historical context, you know, gray aliens, the ubiquitous gray aliens that we see in science fiction lore, um, those are generally associated with the Betty and Barney Hill incident, which was in 1961, I think. But they didn't become popularized. Grays didn't start entering the, the sort of, we've told you what an alien looks like. Now when people report aliens, they report what they think an alien should look like kind of thing that started a year after this episode was made uh when they made the 1975 tv movie 
um, relating the Betty and Barney Hill incident, which was then picked up by Steven Spielberg for his Close Encounters aliens and, and Whitley Schreiber for his communion books and, uh, and whatnot. So um, we're at, I guess what, what I'm trying to get at is that at this point in time, we're at a very early stage in the UFO lore. In the and pop, aliens don't in, have a color. In pop culture. But you can see right. through them. Except uh, you can't. They might be infrared. So, I mean, the fact They have that a color, but it's not visible. Right. Uh, I, I, feel like, I feel like they should have done something with that, but uh, uh, more. And I think they did. Maybe it got cut, but I'll, I'll get it. But, but I guess the important part is, is that the men in black weren't in black in this. Yes. Yes, some of them were in brown. <clears throat> yes, but they did have all the hallmarks. We never heard them speak. Mm-hmm. I mean, they obviously did. They spoke with the Monique and they spoke with Vincenzo, but Kolchak never once has an encounter with him. They ignore him completely, which is kind of weird. Uh, and even at the end, he says, well, they haven't come to see me yet. And, um, and they apparently use very conventional threats like, we'll audit you instead of, yeah, well, you know, you'll disappear or whatever that the men in black is supposed to do. So it's kind of, it's kind of interesting to see this early men in black portrayal um, on the show. But so here's the thing. I, I felt like Kolchak figured it out when Vincenzo said UFO. Yeah. And, but they kind of gave it away to the audience like two scenes before. Before Monique and the pictures, they had that guy who was up on the mountain trying to communicate with aliens in Mathematico, his language. That scene was immediately beforehand. And I could see how you might, I mean, I suppose he could be trying to communicate with aliens and he reaches the marrow vampire instead. But I think that was, it gave it away at that point. And I think it was in the wrong well, spot. Well, I, I may have been being dense, but it didn't give it away okay, to me. Well, it, it, well, again, I knew it was when I came into it. So I, I, that's why I was kind of asking whether or not that had, that had tipped you off, because I wasn't sure whether it would or not. Um, well, you get a point of view shot from above, but it's not its mm-hmm. not like hovering in from above or whatever. Right. I mean, presumably, because the alien's been around for a while at that point, it's, it's not, you know, it's not leaping out of a saucer onto him or whatever. Right, no. It just, it happens upon him, just as a, a terrestrial... Um, marrow vampire or whatever could do yeah he's tall or he's swinging from the trees or mm-hmm. whatever he can jump he can I, you know he bears down from above but not that high above so i'm not necessarily thinking right this one's got to be extraterrestrial well no i didn't i didn't mean it in that way it's just the the fact that they complicate the plot by the fact that that appears to be what he's trying to do communicate with the stars, but, just, but you know, he's just a loner. That's that's right. the thing. He 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 has his imaginary language and so on. But imaginary Mathematico is the universal language. <laughs> it what it what it doesn't necessarily prove is that what he believes is right. It's just apparently a pretext for why he's why he's out on his own, and that might be why he becomes a victim in much the same way that having all the prostitutes being killed by vampires in the other episodes is, you know, it, it, they are by nature people who are, who, who can be cornered on their own and who, who might not be missed. It's that kind of. Yeah, fair enough. Victim. Fair enough. I, like I said, I, I wasn't sure where that tipped it off. I just felt like 
it's a might be a clue. Like I say, it could just be you know a, a swamp monster walking through the park stumbles upon the guy. But it was it is odd that since they tried, I think they tried to hide it until Vincenzo tips that piece that it would have made no difference at all if that had been the next scene in the episode. Mm. They could have edited mm. it in a different order because Kolchak never really interacts with the guy at all, except when he finds his corpse later in the episode. So, um, <clears throat> it was... Eh, I, I'm just curious because I, th- I thought it was better than... I think the reveal in this was held and done better than it has been in other episodes where pretty early it's given on, away you know, in the title. It's, it's given away in the title or it's it's quite obvious from the from whatever it happens to be um but yeah in this one it was it was it was held out wide. so uh, my my thought on something i think might have been removed from the episode kolchak took the pictures to monique for development and the first thing she complains about is he's using infrared film and he says yeah it's the only thing i had and and then she claims that the pictures are terrible which seems to be because of the way he shot them. And, and, I, and I know from experience that if you shoot infrared film, you know, the focal length is different. You, don't, you can't rely on autofocus. It just doesn't, it doesn't produce a good picture unless you actually know what you're doing and can kind of tweak around with it. So they would be probably terrible pictures. But later in the episode, he says to the captain, well, I went and visited some scientist dude and talked about infrared and invisible light, which he did not do in the course of the episode, and was talking about how you could see it in different wavelengths. And I'm wondering if there was supposed to be something on those pictures that you could see because he was shooting with infrared film. Maybe a blurry blob or something that we couldn't, you know, it wasn't obviously what? an alien, but it was something other than just the lead ingots there, like a shadow or a, a form or something. But we... Yes. I couldn't tell that from those pictures but i'm not sure kolchak could either he just thought there was i'm not sure he could see what it was he could he could maybe see there was something there because he didn't immediately look at the photos and go hey i i see it that's what it is what's that but shape equally, or that wasn't he, there he, or yeah yeah but he wouldn't let monique tear them up and obviously the men in black took thought they were worth coming and taking away mm-hmm. it just seems like so they should have played that up a little bit like because that would have made sense for him to then go talk to the guy about why there was something on my infrared film that i couldn't see well yeah but hang on maybe if he went and talked to the i don't the thing that's bugging me that i've got a note about is why did he have infrared film in his camera well his his words were it was all i had it's not very good but see that that's (laughs) my point is is it seems like they were setting us up for something a little more important than what it ultimately turned out to be which all i could see when they showed us that very bad picture all i could see was a bad picture of the ingot sitting there i i didn't see anything that would make you go what something wrong i just can't believe he would it it seems like a a big it seems lazy yes essentially to 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 write well that you know that's the that's the reason. So yeah. as soon as you say, as soon as I didn't spot it, but as soon as you mentioned that line about going and talking about infrared, you think, well, if that had happened beforehand, that would have given a reason to load infrared in the film, mm-hmm. in, in the camera. Um, though God knows why he would have even gone to talk about the sign, gone to talk to the scientist at that point, because what would prompt him to do that? But then the line to Monique would have been 
purely a kind of deflective lie, which yeah. would be better than, you know, just it was all I had available. What? Yeah. Why would you even uh, have infrared film? I mean, that's a very yeah, specialty yeah. film that's, that's you know, you you have to work with to get something. I Unless it's like they're using it as shorthand for spy film. You know, I can take pictures but, at night or something, but, 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 but yeah. then you wouldn't have a flash on it, so. Oh, yeah, and he's, yeah, God, yeah. <laughs> right. But then, but then, so on the infrared thing, how, how is this working exactly? We've, we've got aliens through, we, we're, we're supposed to assume they're sufficiently solid that they reflect infrared light. Okay, but but other frequencies of light pass through them because we can just see through them. Yes, I think that's what they're expecting us to buy. I'm not sure I, I'm not sure I do buy it, but it saves on the budget for special effects. Oh well, well that's certainly true. <laughs> uh, because because they, be- they also only had that one chunk of the bile vomit stuff. Because I'm sure that's exactly the same pace he picked up. In the guy's yard and in the uh, cheetah's uh, pen. <laughs> Pretty well, sure it's exactly it the same rock. It looks exactly the same. So, you know, that that proves the point that it's the same stuff, I suppose. I mean, it literally is the same stuff. Yeah. But, but, um, but, but the, the, whole, the thing about other, frequent, other light frequencies passing through... <sighs> I don't know. I don't know. Loads, loads of questions, but they, it's like... All light passes through so perfectly that they're completely invisible because we see nothing, right? Mm-hmm. We don't see a ripple in the air or anything like nothing. that. Nothing. And yet, infrared bounces off. Okay, and there and therefore also, the aliens are presumably blind because That's always my thought on on that. Except for infrared, they can see infrared, perhaps, and, uh, and then. <laughs> right. There are there are maybe a, a few other mysteries in this that don't necessarily get resolved at least by the end of this episode. Um, but the obvious one connected with that is the lead disappears. Mm-hmm. And is the that anything? To, is that anything to do with them being invisible? I don't know. I, I'm I. Are I they don't eating know. it? Is that why it disappears? Why did and they if, break the and, wall open? If they could, question. if they could make it dematerialize, why did they need to break the wall open? Well, I've, I've, I have that question too, as well as why do they like bone marrow, I, or or not like bone marrow because they seem to keep throwing <laughs> it up. Um, <laughs> yeah. You keep or eating not, it, not and you sure, keep not sure if they up. like bone marrow. <laughs> <laughs> They're, uh, they have uh, they have a bulimia problem. I don't, I don't know. Well, they can't remember that they don't like bone marrow. Like, I'm really hungry. Let's try again. <laughs> Um, I was kind of wondering if there was going to be, um, well, we tried animals because we're not horrible monsters, right? I mean, we're sophisticated space aliens. We come to this planet. We're stuck here. We're trying to get away. They don't appear to be trying to take over. They don't appear to be trying to do anything particularly horrific. They're just trying to secure repairs, find their way home, grab a bite to eat, and they go after animals. Okay. At least they're not going after people. It's not until... It's not until people get in their way that they start yeah. getting into people. And and I'm just kind of wondering if they were going to go with, hey, we tried eating animals and we keep throwing it back up. So now we're going to try eating a people. Oh, hey, 
this works. And then eat more people instead. But it doesn't seem to it doesn't seem to go that way. Um, so I, I, just a, and a, probably a little bit of a um, poorly thought through plot device. I do appreciate the fact that the aliens don't seem to be completely horrific. I mean, I, really, I, I'm really impressed that they go after animals instead of people because in a typical horror story, they would go straight for people. Yeah. Um, but they didn't do that. They went for the expensive exotic animals uh, or that woman's cats. <laughs> yes. Right? The, oh, yeah. The you're going to hold she had six of her cats or whatever it was, but she's got five more because she's one of those. And... Uh, <laughs> Uh, so that, you know, I mean, it seems like it, it seems reasonable. I I cannot figure out what on earth, and I use that phrase <laughs> precisely. What could they possibly need two tons of lead for? That seems to be kind of counterintuitive with a spaceship. Yeah, yeah. I I I thought that was um, surprising. How about some rare material that they needed, like like I don't know high-grade industrial aluminum or, or you know, special spacium <clears throat> or something that, that Radine Electronics, well, a government contractor, would have there instead of two tons of lead, which I can't figure out what they need two tons of lead ingots for. Well, I was wondering that too, but um, at least aluminium would have been lightweight, so... Yeah, something, you know, some yeah. aerospace technology that, that would be, you know, a metal that they're using for specially new advanced ships that they needed for repair. But not eh, it's some lead and just melt it on the cracks in the spaceship. Let's go. Uh, <laughs> we need two tons. Okay. <laughs> See, the, the, the thing I really liked about this episode was all the, the... It was the kind of randomness of these different strands to the mysteries. Because... The more you know, the the more kind of disparate the 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 kind of un- inexplicable acts were, the more intriguing the the resolution would have to be. You know how how can you how can you draw all these things together? And uh, but I, I I I was quite happy actually with the fact that we don't get an answer at the end of the episode. Mm-hmm. I yeah, I think we assuming, get enough. Assuming assuming we're going to come back to this. I, Assuming I just, it's the first of a, you know, maybe a invasion, a series of alien episodes. You know, maybe we're going to get a conspiracy arc with the Men in Black, or, or am I projecting something back on this? Back, back to 1974, before they had a lot. Well, this is supposed to have inspired the X Files, so you know how much of it came from this. Well, cryptic titles, UFOs, yeah. and the Men in Government conspiracies. Right there. This is it. This is the the one episode that. <laughs> but just the one episode, because I, I'm if, I'm if saying the, cons- in a non-spoilerific way. I'm just uh, well, of I'm course, I'm not, I'm not asking for an answer. <laughs> um, <laughs> I I thought you know you know how I like to have my stories closed off, right? Mm-hmm. I, I even though we don't have a definitive answer on this episode i think kolchak's supposition at the end is good enough that you know it's like you're a traveler you break down you grab a bite to eat you make your repairs you check the map you go it works 
it's good enough. I think that, it, that works as a as an overall explanation. It doesn't explain the invisibility, the lead, and right. really not the bone marrow either. I mean, I want to know why bone marrow. It's and and as you and as you say, there's que- you know a question about animals, types of animals, humans. It's it's all a bit kind of specific, isn't it? Yeah. Well, I suppose. Okay, so the zoo animals. All right. Um, considering that the aliens appear to be at least man-sized, although the ship's awfully small. But but as you if say, if there's more than one, if there's more than one, yeah, we don't even know if there's more than one. Um, the view does kind of look down on the people, as if maybe it's head height or higher, mm-hmm. which could mm-hmm. just be the camera work. So I kind of get the impression. Let's let's say they're roughly human-sized within maybe within the norms. Um, You know, how many cats would you need to suck the bone marrow out of as opposed to one cheetah or a panda? You know, it could just be... Or a cow. Or a cow. I wonder how many cows there are in Chicago. It's probably some out there somewhere. But you know what I mean? It could just be the the mass that they need. Uh, And, of course, humans um, would be the biggest, probably, animal wandering around everywhere. Um, in the in the city, I also think it's interesting that the aliens are so uh, maybe confident that they can just rip a stereo right out of somebody's house while the headphones are still on his head and go. It's like, could I guess you don't need any stealth, but I guess they really didn't care. They didn't seem to really care. They didn't come well, into the radine in the middle of the night. They didn't, um, but they did the, the zoo animals. Um, just, but they're super strong and they can't be seen. So, yeah, it could very well just be that. <clears throat> but I just I thought it was interesting that they were that they were conducting these raids in such a way that they couldn't even wait for the guy not to be in the room to take his stereo. Uh, I mean, it makes for it makes for a more interesting uh, anecdote. But yeah. Um, yeah, it was just um, yeah. We, no, we don't get it. And that lead 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 just drives me nuts. Now, one thing I did notice is <clears throat> Men in Black were there on the scene at Raydine already. Men in Black had obviously gotten to the coroner. Men in Black had obviously already gotten to the police. Uh, they'd already gotten to the vets at the zoo, which had been going on for a few days before Kolchak gets on the story. Um, they are on the spot all the time. They were they were better informed than Kolchak, I feel oh, yeah. like. I feel like that this is... You know, we could even jump to the conclusion that they may already know what this was, either from a previous encounter or from, you know, some defense uh, system that they'd done in in, seeing the UFO coming in. We don't know because we never get any kind of uh, info from them whatsoever. So, so I have a couple uh, different spots here in the in the episode that I just thought I would bring up. Um, The vet. Now, uh, again. You probably do not recognize the vet. And I can't say no. that I know what if she's famous in any way. She is and she isn't. You would see her. She was a character actor that you would see all the time as a kind of dowdy old, um, usually kind of an aunt or a housekeeper or this is very common, Mary Wicks. Um, and it's kind of keeping this tradition that the Kolchak has had where they've had very recognizable people. Dick Van Patten was the uh, the guy in the yard. He was a star of a popular 
show I couldn't stand. Um, Eight is enough for years in the seventies. And, um, uh, the police chief was James Gregory. He's been in a million things usually as a gruff old police cop or a bad guy. Um, he was, um, he was Matt Helm's boss in the Dean Martin, Matt Helm films in the 1960s. Um, just, you know, they're, they're not, they're not faceless actors. They are actors that people of that time watching American television would immediately know. And it seems to be an intentional casting, uh, choice on their part. But anyway, um, coroner, uh, not coroner, the, um, the vet, <clears throat> obviously she'd been gotten to because when Kolchak kept saying, well, what did the cheetah die of heart attack? And, and what did the panther die of heart attack? And the panda last week, heart attack. And did, did, did you get from the performance that she didn't like telling him that? That, I'd, that, that well, was I got a, from the performance she didn't like being asked, but that... Uh, yeah, I couldn't and, tell. And, and, that she, and that she wasn't being honest. Yeah, she but obviously wasn't I didn't being get honest. A, I didn't get a sense of why. And at that early stage, I also didn't have a sense of the, the reason. You know, it could have been uh, the, the zoo for PR reasons was not letting her... Yeah, I didn't to talk to the press about the real reason. I, I yeah, I didn't. I, I would not have known at that point that it was you know government cover. Although the fact that Kolchak is standing there earlier in the cheetah cage and the bars are all bent and busted. And yeah, but it could it could uh, still have been could have scared it to death. Yeah, yeah. So that would have that would have actually been more convincing. You know, if if she had said, "Well, you saw the bars," it literally. Scared it to death. Whatever caused it. I, I, I don't know. I just, the way she just kept saying heart attack. Yeah. I, I was, I took from it that she was saying, I'm telling you a heart attack. And that's not the she truth. She wasn't putting her heart and soul yeah. into selling, selling the lie. Yeah. It's like, man, you're just going to have to accept that answer. Yeah. Um, we saw the return of Gordy the ghoul from the, <laughs> we have seen Gordy the ghoul before, right? I think so. Okay, good. Because <laughs> he, I, I can't remember which episode, at least one I episode can't. he's in, but with his um, time of death lottery that he does for his cheats, uh, for his informant payoffs, um, I thought that was interesting. I mean, obviously he's being paid off by Kolchak, and he knows he's going to continue to get paid off by Kolchak if he gives him a good story. But but the fact that we had another coroner come in and give him the official, this is what the men in black want me to tell you, it was a heart attack. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then, you know, have, have Gordy fulfilling his duty as a paid informant to Kolchak and giving him the tape. Which I guess the Men in Black took when they went to visit Vincenzo. Yeah, but I didn't even see Vincenzo receive the tape from Kolchak. I assumed it was in Kolchak's desk. Could could be. I I don't know. I mean, we didn't. They didn't see it. He. They just walked out and they said, "Hey, they took my tape." Like, how did you know they took your tape? It was supposition. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, I guess. I guess so. Also, I guess when the guy called in. Dick Van Patten's character and complained about the cleanup. Is it my impression or is it your impression that the four trucks that showed up from the city were really probably the men in black team? Yes. 
because it was yes. so many vehicles, so fast, and scorch earth policy. Yes. And yet... Although it didn't, didn't sound like they were entirely clued off about how to deal with the stuff. Okay, fair enough. And, and the fact that they leave a big lump. Yeah. One, <laughs> they burn his trees down, they, they start the house, but they leave that one lump for Kolchak to pick up and take to the, back to the vet. That I found a little, um, let's say convenient, but un, unconvenient. Again, all they had to do is to set it over there, maybe at the base of the burnt bushes, and Kolchak looks down and goes, huh, they missed one. Or, but instead, I mean, it's, it is in the middle of the yard. <laughs> <laughs> where they're standing it's like oh then they missed that chunk mm. that could also imply that the guys didn't know how important it was that maybe the men in black said just get a crew out there and erase all evidence of it or erase it and yeah. they went and did it and <clears throat> they didn't realize that no we meant every speck of it has to be gone because we don't we don't want somebody analyzing this chunk of black stuff and discovering that it is a combination of hydrochloric acid, acetone, and bone marrow, which is a combination of substances that occurs nowhere on Earth. <laughs> that one... <laughs> that one was a little too much on the nose as well. <laughs> when he said that actual line, I'm like, really? We know what hydrochloric acid is, we know what acetone is, and... Okay, bone marrow. <laughs> okay. Surely, although you might say that doesn't occur naturally, it doesn't mean somebody didn't take a bottle of hydrochloric acid and some acetone and put them all together and say, here you go, now it exists on Earth. Um, I, <laughs> I, I would have liked it if there was some substance that we couldn't analyze or... <laughs> Anything. Yeah, the man's a journalist, so you've got to expect a bit of hyperbole. Okay, all right, we could take it that way. All right, we could take it that way. I'll, I'll, I'll accept that, um, it, because certainly the vet never said that. Although, yeah. I wouldn't be picking up anything or touching it if it was composed mostly of hydrochloric acid and acetone. Because <laughs> that seems to me like that might... Be unwise. Be unwise, yes. Um... The wall. The exploding wall. When you exploding saw the wall? At Teledyne, Radine. Oh, right, yeah. Right, when the, the wall, wall blows out I and see. all the cops yeah. fly away and, and bounce over the, the things. Later in the episode, Kolchak tells Vincenzo, I think he's, when he's telling Vincenzo, the wall exploded outwards without a sound. Without, I, I, I assume that was without a sound of an explosion. Because my interpretation of what happened there was that it was smashed out from the inside mm-hmm because certainly there was noise yeah but not not <clears throat> yeah not like a bomb explosive. going off but yeah 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 just the noise of the wall itself so i i hadn't thought that was weird until kolchak mentions it later like I, mean, I didn't think it was an explosion i thought the wall had been pushed out by something super strong and the only sounds we hear are the blocks falling Onto each but that's, that's not that's not an obvious explanation if you saw a wall do that you know with whether a, a wall kind of shatters with great violence and there's no one near it and it looks like <laughs> it should be an explosion 
the obvious explanation isn't that it's been punched by a big invisible extraterrestrial. No, 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 no. no. I just um, oddly enough, now that you now that you say it like that, having having lived through somebody driving <laughs> through my brick wall, <laughs> I thought it was an explosion. <laughs> it's, it's true. <laughs> I thought it was an explosion, even though it was not. It was something pushing through the wall. Of course, there was the collision noise, but because of the way the bricks flew and shattered and, and hit the ground and stuff, I thought it was an yeah. explosion. So, um, but not well. You know, I I thought it was an, I thought it was a bomb. The only thing I could think I'm not not thinking it was a terrorist or something, but I mean, I thought it was in a like a gas explosion or a something, or some a, explosion. An aggrieved listener. Yeah, an aggrieved listener. <laughs> like really you have not finished man from atlantis yet (laughs) (laughs) and probably never will folks uh (laughs) maybe they're upset about doom watch we haven't finished doom watch there we go um i yeah i just i I, the the explosion didn't strike me as that weird or the the wall bursting out didn't strike me as as weird as kolchak then later reported it to be because there was a big wind and and of course there's that noise that seems to accompany the aliens which was that was that the soundtrack i don't know that... i i missed it all together i thought i it must have it must have been like i must have thought it was music well so the, so there there is um weirdish music that that is kind of that way in the in the episode so it could very well be the soundtrack one of the reasons um and I may have mentioned this on the previous episode, I, I managed to track down a soundtrack to several episodes of The Night Stalker and, uh, by Gil uh, Millet. And one of the reasons he wanted to do the show was because he wanted to do this experimental music style with several of the episodes. And this is, this is one that he did. And obviously these noises that are part of the soundtrack are part of his soundtrack. But when Kolchak plays back the tape of the dead Mathematico guy, it's on the tape. The sort hmm. of wind chimey noise going on. And then when he stops it, it, it stops, which also could be the way that the, they wanted to score it, but it less sounds likely. Like, less likely, right. So I just kind of watching that think that they hear all that kind of noise and the wind and the wall pushing out and all the sounds of the block and they just I mean, I don't know what they thought it was, but I didn't, I wouldn't have been sitting there going, that was completely silent, because it clearly wasn't silent. <sighs> anyway. Um, what else? There was no shouting in this episode. Uh, there was a bit of shouting at the beginning about the oh, ticket. The, the tickets. And then there was some shouting at the police captain or by the police captain. And then there was some shouting at Vincenzo when he'd let the men in black a come into the bit, office. A little bit, but not, I suppose. Okay, there was not much shouting in the episode. <laughs> um, it, it was subdued. I think it's kind of interesting, uh, or not interesting as the case may be, but we'll, we'll call it interesting for the moment. So we have Monique back, and, which surprises me because I thought, my recollection is that was it. When he put her on the the bus or the train or whatever it was in that the episode before. Yeah. Um, that was the end of it. But apparently she's back. Ron Updike was back in the episode again. Of course, Vincenzo. We see Gordy the Ghoul uh, again. So we have this sort of little repertoire team. 
it's interesting that we don't see the same police captain. Yes. And yet, and yet, this is the thing that annoys me, that they all have exactly the same relationship with Kolchak, which is that they cannot stand him. Right. Well, in the last episode, they did actually put the police chief away, or they retired him because he was implicated. Yeah. But... That, that's that's fair enough. But if you had if you had different, if if there were people within the the police department with whom Kolchak had some kind of relationship, um, you know, to a, a professional relationship, some kind of contact or or mutual trust, or or that it there was there was some variety to it, so they had some kind of particular reason for disliking or distrusting. Not that you really particularly need a a reason for disliking Kolchak. But, you know, it does seem a bit strange that we have to have a different character fulfilling exactly the same role every time. Mm-hmm. It is. Um, it, I, I would, it would be much better to me... All right, well, it would be much better if there were a recurring policeman that... I don't want to say teams up with Kolchak because that's that's obviously he needs to be in a way either needs to be the voice of skepticism. We're not buying this silly nonsense that you've got going here, Kolchak, or the voice of the government's told me not to let you know about this, you know, part of the cover up. Um, But I think it would be it would be more interesting if there was somebody at the police department that maybe had a long suffering relationship with Kolchak, but at the same time kind of recognizes that maybe he's right-ish with these yeah. wild theories. It would be nice if Vincenzo uh, was that way because he keeps bringing him these stories and even if he can't print them, <laughs> uh, but at <laughs> least, you know, yeah. well, okay, it didn't seem like that was the case in this story. It, yeah, he did actually seem to manage to get something to press. Uh, you've got to assume that in between the previous episodes that we've seen, he did actually do some work that was printable. Right. Right. Well, I, but, I think Vincenzo values Kolchak. Uh, you know, I mean, he has yeah he has complimented the, in the past, and he obviously was setting him up for this um, uh, story. Yeah. So, so the, the, there's there's a, a, a clear kind of motivation for Vincenzo what he is after. And it's different to what Kolchak is, but when you look at their interactions, you understand that relationship and the dynamics that's going on there. Mm. But you don't get that with the police because you don't understand the motivation of the police officer. And they never develop. All they, you know, they all they ever him. do is shout at him and they appear to be motivated more by irritation and antagonism towards Kolchak than they are by actually wanting to solve any any of the cases that they're, they're they they come together on so is this that 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 is unsatisfying and and particularly after in the first tv movie the uh fbi character whose name i've forgotten right. mr actually FBI. does does fulfill that that kind of role of being a being a an ally of Col or halfway an ally of Kolchak with whom some kind of relationship exists uh, and, and who can broker um, meetings with other police officers you know there's there's something going on there there's some there's some purpose to to what he's doing and some interest in the dynamic 
but that's gone. Is there supposed to be a, a sort of maybe cynical? Um, so nineteen seventy four, we're post Watergate here. Uh, trust you know, trust no one. Um, and the plucky reporter that keeps asking the questions that nobody wants to hear. Everyone hates him because. I mean, I realize that this is this is playing out in in very very broad strokes, but that's always been kind of my my feel on this is that they're trying. You know, the police were not. There's a I, period of time when the police aren't necessarily the good guys on uh, American television, particularly when you you know they're the PIs, the alternate police, or investigative reporters uh, frequently have a rocky. Uh, uh, relationship with the police because they're poking their nose in where it doesn't belong. It doesn't necessarily fit the narrative. And if you if you step back and say the narrative is to hide things, then Kolchak yeah. is even worse for them. Yeah, yeah. And I mean that's the in in the in the modern context. I see the scene. You know, he's, he's holding the the police captain is holding a press conference. Mm-hmm. At which he is going on about the responsibility of the press, and at the same time he is uh, belittling a particular member of, a cre- of, of the press who he doesn't like, calling him out, making jokes about him, laughing at him, and I'm thinking Trump because mm-hmm. you relate it to the the kind of context in which you're watching it, and there may have been similarities back then, but that doesn't. That means the reason you've got to have a different police captain every single time is to avoid there being any kind of relationship. The police officers in this, or the the, the senior police officers in, in this series, are essentially the anonymous agents of authority, if you like, a, against which um, Kolchak is the, is, is the rebel, the truth-seeking hero... Yada yada yada. Well, okay, maybe, uh, but even even then, I don't really see why we can't begin to build up a bit of a relationship with whoever that person is, and perhaps even have some other members of the police department who could fulfil a slightly different relationship with Kolchak, so he's not butting heads in every single scene where there are police officers. And and one of the things that's different in this one, I think, from from the ones we've seen previously, maybe maybe going back to the original movie, uh, there was a little bit of this. But when Kolchak is there and at the planetarium, and the police captain shows up, and he he tries to warn him, right? The captain sends the guys in; they get tossed around. So you know, there's there's distinctive if not proof we're talking about aliens at least there's distinctive proof that Kolchak knows that there was something going on over there and he tried to warn them so that's him doing the right thing Kolchak doing the right thing by the police don't send you guys over there they're gonna get shown up so they get shown up then Kolchak says to him look it attacked me I saved it off with this it's the light the light did it and the and the captain believes him the captain believes him goes out and gets the invisible lights I point that out that we never actually see any lights that the captain got. He said, like, "Get those lights up yeah. here." But even when Kolchak came out, 
and and saw the, the the destruction that had been left behind. No lights, no broken lights, no nothing. I don't I don't know what we don't actually know what happened out there. No, I found but, that very that was, confusing. The 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 relationship was building there. This is exactly what we should see happen between Kolchak and the police, or between Mulder and Skelly. She doesn't mm. believe. He believes. He says, look, exactly. if it's my way, this is what's going to happen. And when it happens, she has to accept that that even if she doesn't accept the rationale or the the thing, that he's that he's on to something. And and the cop in that moment thinks, you know, all right, let's do that. And then of course as soon as that fails, he chucks Kolchak aside and goes back onto his antagonistic rant. But, you know, if that happened again next week or or the week after and you had the same police officer and he would have to start building up a little bit of a of a all right, let's hear your stupid idea, Kolchak. Even even if he maintained that same attitude of being completely and utterly skeptical and that Kolchak's idea is stupid, he would at least listen to it instead of just perhaps dismissing it out of hand. And, you know, I think maybe, I think maybe you're right. I mean, that's what they're trying to avoid. They're trying to avoid that becoming, you know, unbelievable. It's unbelievable. Which is more unbelievable, that we have so many police captains in Chicago that Kolchak can have one every week or that... You'd have the same guy who week after week after week is proven to be wrong and still continues. But what, is un- what I find is unbelievable about it is you have this, this uh, it's a different police captain every week, except it's this same one-dimensional character who mm-hmm. is the unreasonable, um, uh, brash, uh, quick, quick-tempered, um, illogical uh, adversary, if you like, who Kolchak sees. Yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. Kolchak has a series of encounters with the guy, and that's and that's how he comes off. Now, you can imagine Kolchak, who is himself brash in a number of ways. Those are those are quite possibly the kinds of encounters he would have with the character. The thing is, if you look at it from the other character's perspective, it must be possible to understand what he thinks is going on in those exchanges what's he after what does he think Kolchak is after does he feel threatened by Kolchak does he feel like Kolchak is just uh, irresponsible only cares about the story or is incompetent wild unpredictable what you know what is it he's he's trying to do and why is he why is he so himself incredibly inept at handling Goldjack. So, you know, why why can't he get Goldjack off the case? Is it because he's just too quick tempered or very bad at managing people? You see what you see what I'm getting at. I mean yeah. I'm not expecting answers to these questions from you. I'm expecting the people who are writing it to have thought about that in terms of the character they've introduced. And yeah, if they're gonna introduce a different character every week then they've got to think about that for every new character they introduce rather than just having a series of kind of stamped out replica police captain clones who all do the same thing time and again. Okay, so I don't remember who the police captain was in The Ripper off the top of my head. So I'm not sure um, what the story was there. In the second one, there actually was a reason. 
and that was the zombie. And we find out, even though you know yeah. he's intransigent, at the end we find out that actually he was crooked. And so everything he was doing was an effort to protect himself. Yeah. In this episode, that, that, that's a bit of an exception. But we had a couple uh, of these guys in the poli- in the TV movies. In the in the first movie, they are protecting their. The police in Vegas in the 70s owned by the mob. They were protecting the business of Vegas. So there's their excuse. The guy in Seattle, I don't know. He was just a jerk. Um, but 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 again, in this one, our our captain, from the very first time we see him, is already taking orders from the men in black because he he immediately goes and reports to them. They're sitting in the sedan outside Raydine. So could it could it be that he's already just you need to make sure that reporters don't get any of this. But then why is he bad at, at handling Kolchak? You know, that's... Why are the men in if, black if, so if, bad at handling Kolchak? You know, they, well, yeah, but they it, could but fix it, him. But put yourself in, in the position of that police captain. You've got the men in black breathing down your neck and Kolchak is stomping about all over your case. Would you have, and, and you want to discourage him, would you have taken the same actions he did? No, no. So, you know, we've got to understand why why he did. I, I mean, I, I, I take it that there's a slightly different motivation there, that, we've, that we, you know, in the first one, the, the, the police are, are acting on behalf of the mob. Okay. In, in this one, the police are acting on behalf of the men in black. Okay. But actually... The explanation is still the same as the guy in Seattle and the the guy in the Ripper, which is that they're just jerks. Mm-hmm. You know, the 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 drivers behind why they're doing what they're doing doesn't explain why they're doing it in a inept and shouty way. True, true. Um, I, and I don't have an answer to it. I'm. You know, I do think, and I. I this is a to, bit, I'll to, tell you what it's a bit like. It's a bit like it's the, it's this show's number two. Okay, mm-hmm. it's like they're putting a different actor in to to fulfil fundamentally the same role each time, except, of course, in the prisoner where they're doing that in a in a very uh, deliberate kind of it, it's part of the format that they're doing that, but they're also taking care to cast a really interesting and different kind of number two each episode, and you could do that. You could have a completely different police captain in every single story but it would it would be interesting only if each person coming to the role actually was allowed to bring something to it instead of just being another shouty man yeah i i I completely agree (laughs) i completely agree now so i'll I'll put this as the last question then unless you have anything else to 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 reference i just i want to mention liking the the fruitcakes in you know, around about the middle of the episode, oh, he yes, goes yes, along yes, to the UFO yes. we, we society. The, okay, well, and, we'll talk about think, the fruitcakes. Yeah, let, let, let me let me just put the, the the question to you: Is is there a reason the men in black never spoke with Kolchak? They talked with Monique. They talked with Vincenza. They talked with the captain. They obviously talked with a the vet. They, they talked with. They seemed to go to everybody else and threaten them. Why didn't they threaten Kolchak? That's a very good question. Is I mean, it because the, Kolchak the, is. They know he's not going to back down. The assumption is they know they know he's a bit of a maverick and they're working around him. They're trying to, but I don't know. It's it's certainly one of the things that I would hope to come back to. Yeah, couldn't couldn't they threaten if, him if with the, an IRS audit or 
something. Yeah. Or how about that or, murder charge or, or, we found how, on you in Vegas? Yeah, or, how do yeah. they know they can't? Yeah. I, mm. I That was interesting um, because, you know, it'd be one thing if they were just going around silently and never – but but they obviously had a long talk with Vincenzo and they talked with Monique about her IRS filings. And so why why didn't they try to threaten Kolchak? And I, and I think the answer is is that Kolchak can't be threatened in that way. Yeah. I think that's supposed to be his – that's what makes him a hell of a reporter, is that he won't back down. Yeah. So, all right. Yes, the, the UFO Society. I know exactly who you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it, I mean, it's just, it, it feels like it's kind of obligatory, and it's, and it's halfway between, um, you know, Avengers stories that, that uh, fe- and there's actually only, I think, one episode that actually features an extraterrestrial but there are certainly a couple um, which appear to have mm-hmm. extraterrestrials. And you do get these kind of societies like uh, um, from Venus with Love and Invasion of the Earthmen. And you get get these various people who are fiercely, fiercely committed to it. And, and then, you know, going the other way, heading into the future, um, the, yeah, obviously you've got the X-Files mm-hmm. um, and, and the, the kind of... We're always dealing Abductee with abductee groups, and, yeah. uh, not to mention the um, the lone gunman. Uh, so, so yeah, I, I I thought it was it was nice seeing uh, seeing a bunch of fruitcakes turning up in this one as well. It, it feels part of, of a UFO story. It does, and I and I and I thought that was a kind of interesting. You know, now modern television. Uh, if you talk to an abductee, they're going to talk about being probed. I mean that that's part and parcel of the they are they are in some way raped physically whether it's by the aliens themselves or by the aliens equipment they are in they are we'll call it probed but um here it's like they know that lore and they want to use it but but they can't because it's 1974 and it's American primetime television and they can't go that far. So, you know, she says the whole thing, he got a little fresh and I told him to keep his protuberances to her, whatever, no, it wasn't protuberances, his extensions to himself. And <laughs> okay. Um, and, and it is, you know, I, when I watched it, I thought, is this a little early? Is this a little early for that? The kind of UFO group, but, but as you rightly point out, they definitely had them in the Avengers. Um, and and this is closer to that, I think. When when you know, when you talk about this this woman with her protuberances, the, I, my strong feeling is this is not one of our aliens, right? This this is not. She didn't say anything about him being only visible to infrared light. Oh yeah, no, no, no. This is having this, a yeah. a thing about uh, bone marrow or whatever. This is actually some. She's basically some kind of fantasy. So it's much, yeah. much closer to those those uh, Avengers groups than the the X Files survivors, who I think are in, in probably the majority of cases actually intended to be genuine. Ad- you know, that's, that's actually you're right. You're you're right. you're absolutely right, and that's kind of an interesting um, uh, take on that because it, it never really occurred to me. Whenever I look at a group of UFO. I was right. I my mind immediately projects them into the Avengers and and this mold. They're loonies. They're they're fantasizing. They're they're making this stuff up. They're the objects of ridicule. And the X Files legitimize them. Yeah, which is 
Interesting. I mean, these people could theoretically be legitimized because there actually is an alien in this episode. You know, it's not like the one in the Avengers where they have a group and it turns out it's somebody spoofing an alien, which is uh, from Venus. Spoilers. <laughs> right. But yes. Um, <clears throat> this is, um, you know, th- there are aliens in this universe and these people are actually still loonies. Um, getting together and doing their thing. So, but yeah, you're right. In the X Files, they're pretty much always really. Nah, yeah, they're they're pretty much not really without survivors. Yeah. But yeah, but yeah, it, well, it's it certainly te- tends to be te- tends to be likely. Uh, yeah, yeah. Although they may be treated as if they are um, by the world in general. It's it's only Mulder that's willing to and take Scully in particular. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> cool. Hmm. Yeah, that that is a never really given any thought of that in in the X Files is that that is they do they do legitimize this this typically, and I I was watching um uh, an episode of In Search of which is you know supposedly a <coughs> supposedly a documentary uh, from the seventies and uh, I think it was on Psychic Detectives which is all of course a complete load of hooey and they were there at their like this is a group of psychics who use their their skills to try to help on cases, and they had a room full, and they're all sitting there talking and and just I mean, they're playing it dead straight on in search of. You're watching these people, and you're playing it dead straight. These are real people who believe what they think they're doing, and I'm watching it, going, "That's a group of loonies." That's that's exactly this this UFO meeting. That's a group of people who have self deluded themselves and are sitting around and talking to other people in the group who have self-deluded themselves into their own sort of communal fantasy world and 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 that is my that that is my point of view that that is that is my default view of these of these kinds of groups and and yeah X-Files does does not follow through with that huh. but then they're characters in a story where there are aliens so right Right, and and the government is evil and trying to cover it up, and yeah, so, which all here, government covering it up, aliens were real, but there was no, well, there was useful information to be gathered from the group, but you know they were here to be to be made fun of, um, yeah, to, to you know, to bring home the point is that yeah, you know, people who believe in aliens are crazy, but in our story, eh, turns out there's actually real aliens too, so, uh, is that. Uh, I think that's it. That's all I got. That's all I've got. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give just a mild spoiler. No police captain in the next episode. <gasps> I know. I know. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, and, and uh, no clue what, uh, what kind of creature it is, too, because the cryptic title is The Werewolf. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Simon, thank you for joining me. My pleasure, as always. And listeners, I do hope you'll join us all again next time on Fusion Patrol. Fusion Patrol is a Lone Locust production. Like us? Please consider becoming our sponsor at patreon.com slash fusion patrol. We'd really appreciate it if you could leave us a review on iTunes. Stop by and visit us at our website, fusionpatrol.com. Search for us on Facebook under Fusion Patrol. Check out our Twitter handle at Fusion Patrol. Or just send us an email at feedback at fusionpatrol.com. Please come join the conversation. 
Our music is Fight the Future by Amber Wolf. <laughs>